Well, hey there, it's Naomi Sneakers, and this is the Firecracker Department. I'm not gonna lie to you, everybody, I'm recording this from my car. And that is because I am dedicated to making sure that you get one of these episodes every week. That is how much I want you to hear these episodes. They're important. I don't want a week to go by without you hearing from one of the firecrackers in our community. And there's so many people to talk to, so I can't just skip a week. Now, my next guest, I am so excited about. I don't even know where to start. Deb McGrath. It's Deb McGrath, everybody. She's just the best. She's funny, she's smart, she's talented, she's gracious. She's one of the best hosts I've ever met. And she throws the best Christmas party. Every year we go to this Christmas party and it ends with a candy apple. Who does that? Oh my, and this isn't those crappy candy apples that you break your teeth on or you just get sticky and uncomfortable from. These are those candy apples that you cut into quarters and pretend they are breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which they kind of are, right? We're only human. So Deb McGrath, who you know from so many different things, she's a Second City alum. She was on uh, Little Mosque on the Prairie. She was one of the gals from Women Fully Clothed. And she's one of the funniest people I know. We're lucky enough to be friends as well. How about that? I remember the first time I met Deb, and we had gone out for dinner with a bunch of Second City folks, and it was her and her husband, Colin Mockery, up-and-comer. You should see his work, he's very funny. And um, Deb said something. She was spinning a tale because she's the best storyteller ever. She really is. Just give her a great topic, and she's got a great story about it. And Colin laughed so hard about what she was saying, and I fell in love with them as a couple. And I mean, really, they're funny individually, but they're funny together too, and they're delightful. All right, let's just cut to Deb McGrath because she's fantastic. We did edit the coughing fit that she had because this is how great she is. She was sick, she still came in. She was leaving for Ireland in a couple of days, she still came in because that's the kind of buddy that she is. Okay, here she is, Deb McGrath, everybody. Were you always an actor? Did you ever do like Joe jobs before acting? Oh, I did Joe jobs only because I had to. But just to become an actor? Just to become an actor. Yeah, like what kind of Joe jobs did you do? I worked in a factory stacking plastic cores 10 hours a day, four days a week. It was worth it because I got Friday off. <laughs> and um, and stacking plastic cores, and because Wait. they were lifers, they yeah. were circles, they were plastic circles. For so what, it was though? like, like, well, that's the thing. Yeah. So it was a stick, and you stack the plastic cores, and then it goes into a machine. So they were lifers. Yeah. And so I felt like a dweeb not knowing what I was doing. Right. And finally, there was one day after I had done it for a month where another section came in and attached the guns. You know what it was? The plastic cores for the things in supermarkets where you fire the gun and the prices go on. Wow. But I was there for a month before I knew what we were doing. Yeah. We just, they played good music and people were really nice to me. My neighbor owned the company and got me the job. So that, working, selling donuts and um, pop at uh, when the science center first opened right and i was 15 so my dad had to like sign a permission thing that i could go work wow and that was before any kind of acting like how old were you no when no you first... my first uh well i was acting at two yeah you know, i was that because you had a very like um entertainment oriented family mm-hmm. it feels we were like all singers you guys all... all had productions every week in your household yeah, yeah. yeah. did and you have I a had... stage in your in your house the rec room yeah rec did room it actually was... have a stage no I had a friend who had a stage in their record. Yeah, mom put a clothesline yeah. and we put curtains across. Fantastic. But no, it was just cement walls that we would put posters on. Um, but yeah, we're we're a singing family. Like that's what we did. We yeah. got together for an evening and you eat and then everyone sings and everyone had their party pieces. Yeah. And, and the same um, one every time? Pretty much. What was your party piece? Well, I had several because I was always <laughs> evolving. <laughs> Of course you did. You For know, the my, seasons. My Uncle Alec would always sing, Up the lazy river, the morning sun. I would do, um, oh, around my teens, I did an imitation of, um, oh, I forgot, I want to say Getty Lee. It's not Getty Lee, it's <laughs> Lee. Lee, um, you know, going home, see my baby. Ten years after. <laughs> and I did always Anne Margaret from Bye Bye Birdie. And, My brother did I that used, musical. Love that oh, musical. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. And then there was a little drunken mouse song about a little mouse, very short little song, 
that my mother, grandmother, and our family friend, Mrs. McCaskill, she would get hammered and go, do Maui song. So I'd have to do the mouse song. How does the mouse song go? Sorry, but I have to. Oh, the liquor was spilled on the bar room floor. The bar was closed for the night. And a little brown mouse came out of his hole. And he sat in the pale moonlight. Oh, he lapped up the liquor on the bar room floor. And on his haunches he sat. And all the night you could hear him roar. Bring on the pussy cat. <laughs> no, how could you not? At three years oh, old, no. you want to see that all the oh, time. Oh, what did I was three? Oh, how old were you when you said that? Oh, I was a teenager. <laughs> and I finally turned on them like a viper and said, no more mouse song. <laughs> mouse song is done. Yeah. Really? Was it? Until my mother, Mrs. McCaskill. It means the world to Mrs. McCaskill. All right. Yeah. So you're, it, was, it wasn't like you were an overly shy child. Oh, no. I was a... I was shy about some things. Like what? I cannot I was believe very, it. When I was a little, little kid, I was an only child till I was six. I was one of those firstborn children who my mom would check on me because I was dead quiet. Just playing by myself and talking. Like I was the good girl. Mm-hmm. I would sit and be quiet and I would toe the line. I became more outgoing around 10 or so, um, I think. Because I think of my time, my younger time, and I was always like, bull- there was always a friend that bullied and bossed me. I really? was never the boss. Yeah. I find that so shocking. Or yeah. maybe that's why you've become the powerhouse that you are now. Well, I became funny because I felt like it. Like, I just thought, well, I think I'm funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, then I could control the world right. with funny. Yeah. And then by the time we moved from Ajax, Ontario to Scarborough, Ontario, um, or technically Agent Court, um, I was Thank sort you, of holding court. Thank you, because there are court. fact checkers, yes, so yes. we need to get started. I was holding court. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, everybody ten. would gather around me, and I'd go, okay, so I'm going to do two songs from Laugh-In last night, and they'd gather around, and I'd perform. Yeah. But now, do you think that came from the, the bullying? Do you think that came no. from having a, um, a brother that came along that you needed to balance it? No, I think it was my dad was funny. There was a lot yeah. of humor in the family. I'm sure I had funny moments as a kid I always wanted to perform dance sing yeah um but the funny came uh, I think the funny really came around 10 that's how I remember it do you remember like your first joke like or the thing that you did that got laughs Um, in your household yeah oh man I don't that's a good question I did so many. Oh, I would do the a lot of laugh-in stuff, I have to say. Yeah. A lot of laugh-in stuff. The eh, dick who, um, all, the, all their jokes, you know, um, um, uh, very interesting. Right, you know, that right, kind right, of right. Stuff. And I would do the And that would resonate in your household because yeah. yeah. it was all yeah. good jokes. That was sort of like our household, but with SETV. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That we would repeat stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mine was Monty Python and, uh, and Laugh-In and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, do you remember when it stopped becoming, like, just basement, basement jokes and it started becoming like, actually, this is my career. I want to start doing this as a job. Well, yeah, except I didn't think I was going to be uh, a comedic actor as such. I thought I was going to be a musical comedy right. star. Like Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. That was my goal. Doing what was characters. The um, what was the musical? Yeah, that you were the dream musical for you. Well, it would have been things like, you know, Bye Bye Birdie. It would have been things like um, Guys and Dolls, South Pacific, like stuff we did in high school. Yeah. Um, but now, oh, there's so many shows I would have loved to have done. And then in Second City, I blew my voice out. So that was really? sort of the end that... of that. Okay, we'll I get to two... Second City yeah. days, but I want to know... <laughs> So you were thinking, I'm going to do comedy, I'm going to be an actor. You were thinking, I'm going to be on Broadway and do... Yeah, that was really my goal. Yeah. I mean, I loved television because I'm a child of the 50s, yeah. so TV was king. But I wanted uh, to do stage, and I thought that's... When I got out of theater school, I mean, that's all I auditioned for. And Really? Yeah. What yeah. were your party pieces when you auditioned for musicals? I did... Uh, uh, 
Oh, when I auditioned for musicals, oh my God, I had someone write me a medley. What? (laughs) (laughs) So that you could do all of them. I had someone write me a medley, but here's the thing. For anyone who knows the Sweeney sisters, remember from Saturday Night Live? And they would do whatever they did, it would evolve into um, the trolley song. So they'd do Moon River, wider than a clang, clang, clang with the truck. <laughs> and always, well, I did that for realsies. Perfect. I had a guy write me a medley, which is, how can I ignore the boy? Clang, clang, clang. With I did all, I did all her songs in this big medley. Oh. Then, of course, as time went on, my party piece, for obvious reasons, was Dance 10 Looks 3 from, um, from you know, tits and ass, what can I yes. say? I did, uh, oh, and my favorite um, dramatic audition piece was a stunning song written by one of my favorite um, songwriters, Paul Williams, called uh, Old Souls from uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Sing it, sing and it's ditty. stunning. So yeah, I did a chorus. Um, I have a cold, but um, uh, our love, our love is an old love, baby. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she was whoever that girl was. I think she disappeared after that. Just evaporated. But she was such a voice, and so yeah, I had all those. And so you did uh, music. Where did you go to theater school? Uh, Ryerson. And did you love theater school? Like, did you um, always know you wanted to do theater school and do that route? Because some people want to be an actor, but they don't want to do theater school. No, I wanted to do theater school. And I'll be quite honest with you. I wanted to be theater school because I was, partly because I was too afraid of the world. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Mm, well, there was grade 13 then, so I was 18. Yeah. I wasn't ready to go out. I was too nervous. And I felt I had too much to learn because I was so... Um, <laughs> So suburban yeah. in my tastes, and so musical comedy girl, and yeah. they wanted. I remember Sonia Smiths and Mary Walsh were both in my class, and I remember I did the talky singy song from The King and I, oh, yeah. and Sonia did Lady Macbeth, <laughs> and I thought one of us doesn't belong. And to be honest with you, I played Adelaide in Guys and Dolls in school, um, and it was. Uh, it was a, a good performance, at least as I look back on it. Um, um, and I sang um, Adelaide's Lament, and it killed. And mm-hmm. I think that's how I got in. Right. Because I was so comfortable, I was so yeah. confident that they thought, well, she can do that, we'll fix the other stuff. Yeah. And theater school itself had huge fun, still very good friends with so many wonderful people, like Sonia, like Mary, Jenny Dean, Cheryl Stenson, my, my best friend. Um, Angie Guy, like so many people, Deb Grover, all these fabulous women who are still in the industry. I'm forgetting someone, but you know how that is. Um, And um, I loved it. Um, But I wasn't, um, I wasn't, and I don't mean me specifically. I'm sure it happened to many people. What I did naturally wasn't respected. They didn't build on that. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to be dramatic. Oh, she's funny all day long. Instead of teaching me how to hone what my skills were, which, of course, we've since learned is counterproductive. The most success you have in the business is instead of, I can't do that, I want to do... No, know what they see in you. Yeah. And hone that so you're the best at that. Yeah, and then branch out. And then branch out. But they did the opposite. They gave me these (laughs) dramatic roles. I was always the old bag. The old bag. If there was a 200-year-old woman in a play, I was her. Which isn't what you ever did. No. Like when you started your career no, I was, cooking. oh God, yeah, and, you know, check off and yeah, you know, finally in second year I got a role that was made for me. It was Maggie, the secretary of Sheridan Whiteside in the Man Who Came to Dinner, you know, sort of the witty, fast talking mm-hmm. kind of. And I thought, well, let me do more of that, but they didn't. Um, but I had a fabulous time there. Um, but I. My, my problems with my voice started there because I had such a strong, deep voice. They assumed I didn't even know what they were talking about with the diaphragm. So I was embarrassed and I faked it. Right. 
And, and so you started straining your voice. Yeah, and no teacher recognized that I was doing it all from my throat. And when I think of it later, well, couldn't you see that yeah. my veins were popping yeah. out? Not that I blamed them, but again, it's that insecure thing. Yeah. I was too embarrassed to go, okay, which I would now. Now I'd be, I don't get it. Yeah. Hi, I'm not connect. you know. Yeah. What, the, what, what do you think stopped you from saying something then? I didn't know I was doing it wrong. Right. I just would go, oh, the diaphragm's here. Right. So that's where it is. But I didn't, I wasn't realizing, you know, that that, I don't think I ever tightened it. I don't think I ever, I didn't understand the concept. No, I get it. I know it sounds crazy. No, no, but it's. And we we had major voice. Voice was a big part. Yeah. So during that time at Ryerson, did you know that you were in the right place? No. Like, did you ever falter in acting? It feels like you've always. No, I really faltered. Really? And. To the point where... Um, when? During theater school or yeah, before? Yeah. Where I got so insecure that I started to skip in a big way. Right. And not show up. Yeah. Yeah. I Can just, you believe it uh, now, like looking back at that? Um, yeah, I, I can actually because it's something that still rears its head. I don't skip stuff now because right. I can't. I'm but you up. do. You don't like auditions. I don't like auditions. I'd skip them if I could. Well, I do skip them. <laughs> uh, if my agent's listening right now, he's going, yes, she does. I say no to everything. It's not ego. It's not that I think it's beneath me. It's just that I, I can't put myself through it. Yeah. It's just a deep-seated, lifelong insecurity. And when I'm at a party, you would think I was the most confident person in the world. Yeah. But that's the human me. The actor me feels like the person who did the bad talky singing monologue from the king and i while the fabulous and hilarious by the way in case you don't know that side of her sonia smiths did lady Macbeth. right and i just thought i don't belong i don't belong here and i never really thought i belonged. that is shocking to me that is like completely because you do come off as like the most confident ballsy woman that i know yeah not and so where do you think that comes from? Like, your parents were so supportive. They were supportive. But I, I've i noticed with our daughter that the support you give your kids doesn't make them confident. It doesn't. Right. I know kids that haven't been supported that are very confident. I think confidence comes from within. I actually think it's to a degree, my opinion only, a, a thing you can inherit, a genetic thing. Yeah. My mother was a fabulous singer. And was heard singing and asked to audition for a band, which would have changed her life, although I likely wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'd be a saxophone player's daughter <laughs> named Deborah Giannetti. Um, and, not bad, uh, not a bad life. No, no not a bad life at all. Um, and my mother at the last minute, her dress was torn or not uh, up to style because they were poor, and she didn't go to the audition. Wow. Do you have Did, moments like that for you where... You, oh, all the time. Yeah, I had one really bad one years ago where I got a commercial, but it was improvised, but it was with real people and giving them the business. Mm-hmm. And I panicked and went to a phone booth across from my agent and said, yeah, I can't go in. Yeah. Can't do it. So you've never like overcome that, that mm-hmm. panic or insecurity there. Yeah, I've learned to fake it uh, to a degree. Um, and also people don't buy it because of my outgoing human nature. It's so true. They must um, be thinking that you're But people who know me well know that I right. really have some deep-seated insecurity. Um, even once I get the job, like, you know, I've been lucky, as I'm sure you have, to be offered things in the business by people who feel they know my work and they feel the roles right. I hate that. Because then you show up on the set. Well, I hope I give them what they want because I didn't audition. Yeah. Then it's a month of insecurity on the set. Yeah. Um, and I don't. That's my thing. Is that day player stuff rips my soul out, stomps on it. I'm uncomfortable. Like <clears throat> when I'm a day player, especially if it's an American production, you wouldn't know I was an outgoing person. I don't speak to anyone. Right. I speak when I'm spoken to. I just sit there. I'm too intimidated. Isn't that debilitating for you and for it your is, art? Yeah. Like, yeah, and which is why I really have not done a lot. Right. Um, I do, you know, if someone offers me something that I think it's a comfortable environment, I auditioned for um, um, Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, Did you actually audition for it? 
Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. Was um, that difficult? Uh, horrible. Right. Um, horrible. I hate but auditions. the role was so good. And I thought, you're a fool. I will look at roles and go, mm, that, that could be Jane's. Right. That could be Kathy's. Right. This is. And though, but this was, you know, when the role is yours for the taking. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you but, talked to me about this role, yeah. and you said it's in your wheelhouse, it's the funny yeah. that you like to give. Yeah. And, and it's something that's like singing to me. The yeah. rhythm of the character was like singing yeah. to me. Yeah, I love that. Um, but I had to take tranquilizer at the audition. But, and then I said to my husband, this is not good. And I've never had to do that in my life. Yeah. I was shaking so badly that my teeth, my mouth was forming a weird thing. Oh, my gosh. Thing. And to be honest with you, it was just the casting agent. If they had been in the room, I said, well, it's friends. I know. Too. That's what also bumps it up a notch, yeah. right? Because and then I got it down. and was nervous sick on the set until I got my first scene under my belt. And then? Then I could fly. Yeah. And now, like, it's possibly a recurring role, right? Like, they're... Yeah, I mean, who knows? It. That's that's what they had said. But yeah. then she, he kind of quit his job, and I was his boss. But anything can happen. Anything can happen, happen yeah. though. Yeah. But, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, Little Mosque, my perfect scenario where I'm a supporting character. I was super so intimidated in at the beginning. Super intimidated. But once I got into it... Yeah. I loved it, and I can play with it. But what is it that intimidates you? Like you're at that I'm going to same... stink. That I'm going to make a fool of myself. Right. That's it exactly. And that. And my when I auditioned in the audition technique course at second or no sorry, uh, Ryerson, my teachers would say to me, "Here's the problem with your auditions: you are forgettable. You don't That's stink. Awful. You are forgettable. You are so charming when you walk in the door and you start to do your piece." Always so afraid of making a fool of myself, going to and isn't that too crazy? big, you're going a clown. over the top. Because you're a comedian, where you make a fool of yourself. I was just watching. A I clip. always go too subtle. You know, I was always afraid of being too big. Whereas, what's ludicrous about that? If you're too big, and especially if they've seen you before, all they have to do is direct you and pull you back. Yeah. But if you're too small, and you're so. They're going, well, she stinks. Right. Forgettable. You need Who to be like she? a drunk mouse. Small, but big. But big. Right? Sell the end. Sell the hiccup. <laughs> so during yeah. theater school, you were like, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore? No, I knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't know how it was going to happen for me. I auditioned uh, a bunch for touring things, for, you know, touring companies of shows and stuff. Didn't get anything. And I had no way to gauge how well I had done. I think if I had gotten through it, I thought I had the job. Mm-hmm. And then I hid. Then I went and worked at Mr. Green Jeans and got, I think Crock and Block or Keg and Cleaver. Instead of acting? Yeah, I just hid there. For how long? T- two and a half years. Wow. And did an audition. Wow. Yeah. What did you do to be creative? Um, made my friends laugh. Yeah. Because you are such a creative person. Like, you have creativity not only as an actor, but in your home and in your... Yeah, I would do things like that. I'd paint, like, a rainbow on the bathroom wall. Yeah. You know, I... Yeah, and I was cajoled and pulled um, into Second City by... So that's where the Second City started. Yeah, because Tony Rosado uh, was one of my regular clients, and Where, we, Mr. Green Jeans? Mr. Green Jeans, no. he'd come before the show. Yeah. Because we were, that was when it was right. across the street from right. the fire hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So believe me, I looked over there and I dreamed, but I didn't I, have the nerve not even to sign up for classes. So that blows my mind yeah. about you. So Tony would um Well, wait a second, it, did you know, like, had you gone to see Second oh, City? Yeah. And so you knew it was something that you wanted to oh, do? Oh, yeah. Who was on the stage when you went? Um, gosh, I saw Catherine, I saw the, the SCTV people. Right. Then I saw the next cast, which was... <clears throat> Tony and Robin Duke and uh, Mary Charlotte Wilcox, yeah, great. Uh, John Hempel, Derek McGrath, um, <clears throat> um, Deb Kimmett, Kathy Lasky. That was when I, I think that was when I was in the touring company, or at least in classes. And so you'd I thought, see them, and like, I knew I belonged there, but yeah. I couldn't take the step. So then Tony, you know, would ask me like, "What do you do?" And you're funny, and you always make me laugh when I'm in here, and. You know, it was sort of a safe place because I knew that Tony wasn't interested in dating me. Mm-hmm. It was that we got along and he had a girlfriend or whatever. And um, 
I said, you know, I'm an actor and blah, blah, blah. Why aren't you across there? And you're funny. Well, he basically dragged me, kicking and screaming. I will be grateful to Tony Rosado for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those people, though, right? Like me we too. have those cheerleaders along the way. Oh, yeah. And then I went to do my audition in the days when your audition was three characters through the door. And God knows I can make some big faces, so I knew I was in good. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. Did you have characters in your back pocket? Mm-hmm. Did you do your Paul Lynn? That I would do in front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I would do in front of the mirror. Yeah. I had my little kid. I had yeah. my, you know. Blah, yeah. What were your yeah, little kid? What else? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember. I had my little kid. I a lot of accents. Lady. A lot of accents. Oh, accents. A lot of um, Brooklyn. A lot of uh, English, Scottish, Irish. Yeah, that's that your background. And um, so. But Tony sat at the back during my audition, like to support and say to me what afterward, you know, you did well. And then I got into the touring company. Um, and then, um, yeah, I got, I was taking classes and he got me that audition because um, he would watch me in the classes. And um, and as I say, it wasn't stalkery. It never turned out to be anything. No, we were but just he just friends, knew it from like Mr. Green little, Jeans, like banter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and wow. uh, they were auditioning for the touring company, and he said to my teacher at the time, um, you know, she should be auditioning. She's good. She should be auditioning, bless his heart. And the teacher said, she's only been in this class for four weeks or something. He said, I don't give a shit. She should be auditioning. Yeah. And that's how I got that audition. No way. And I got right in the touring no company. No way. Not funny. And then did you ever look back? Did you just go, uh, right, like, take No, because the, um, I didn't, actually, because the first time ever that they hired a third, if you will, extraneous woman in the touring company. What do you mean extraneous? Well, there was really nothing for me to do. But they knew that Deb Kimmett was going to be moved up. They knew that people were in their last show. Mm. Um, so basically, um, I wasn't given anything to do. I was in the cast song, a cast scene, and one blackout. So... And um, the associate producer, who is my good friend to this day, but she would always remind me that um, the head of Second City didn't really know what to make of me and didn't really think I was that good and kind of didn't get it. So I never felt comfortable until I put up my first main stage show. And then I thought, you do have something to offer. And, you know, I wasn't, but again, where was I insecure? In the political arena. But I was very on top of it in the social commentary. Right, because Second City is about <clears throat> social political stuff. Yeah, so that was my my wheelhouse. And other people, like Bruce Perry, Ron James, did the um, political stuff. Yeah, you don't have to be good <laughs> at everything, right? Well, I no. had the same thing at Second City. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not political. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. I'm not charged by it. Yeah. I'm, I'm charged by the social <clears throat> aspect of politi- politics. Yeah. So, like, yeah. if a couple's talking about politics, I get that. Well, and ripped from the headlines today, right. um, you know, I could be a nasty woman. Yeah. You so, uh, why couldn't, couldn't we all? I, yeah. Couldn't we all? Wasn't that something? Anyway. Yeah. Um, Ugh. Um, so, yeah. So, I never... And then I really felt confident. And as your time first went on, main stage show. Yeah. And as time went on, I put up five shows. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, then I left. I had a couple of sketch... TV sketch shows yeah. uh, that I was on. Wait a second. What do you think, going back to the Second City moment of going like, oh yeah, I'm in my groove now. Mm-hmm. What do you think it was? Like, what do you think that changed in your... Internal? I was writing my script. It was it was ownership? Ah, oh, yeah. Maybe it was ownership. Or it was a feeling I could cope with disappointing myself. Couldn't cope with disappointing a writer. Oh, that's interesting. I just thought of that right now when you said ownership. Yeah. That's my thing in auditions. That's why, even oh. though I'm an improviser, I don't play with the script unless they ask me to. Right. Because I'm don't also wanna... a writer, as you are. Right. And I don't want people thinking, well, she's just going to come on the show and do what she wants. Right. I don't feel so precious then, about anything I write, though. Like, no, me But I do either. feel precious about what other people write. Exactly. Yeah. So I always want to show them, I respect what you've written. I'm going to do it. And so then I get panicky. And frankly, as one gets older, it's panic around the lines. Yeah. My agent knows, do not call me for an audition the next day. It's just not going no. to happen. 
You're not I'm alone not, with that, though. That, I think that goes through the ages. But People I used to memorizing do it. And, yeah. and then look at the scripts, then get nervous. Then all I'm thinking of is what's my line, what's my line, what's my yeah. line. Hashtag stink. Hashtag nice. nothing's oh. going on in your eyes. Nothing. You're just panicking Nothing. about the line. It's not good. So now I'll do it if I think it's a role that I've got a shot at or that I'm interested in. More to the point at this point. I will work my ass off and I don't even hold the script. But that took me only this last five years. Wow. Yeah. And if I can't go in, because then I'm acting it and then I'm sorry, then line. But I feel if I have to say line, I'm sorry. Most times they'll say start again. Yeah. And then I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, I've tried yeah. it Linda Cash wise talent that she is said you know i go in and it's like a performance well but i know that i'm kidding myself yeah i don't know it works for her yeah i try to make it work for me um <clears throat> it doesn't frankly because it is something so deep i've tried everything i've read every audition technique book i've taken courses yeah i've i am literally the girl i don't even listen to the radio on the way there you've got this deb you're as good as anyone they want you to do well. Yeah. I say these things out loud. It's astonishing. And then I get in there. I go, don't cast it in the room. Don't decide someone else's But then you're perfect. all in your head saying all these don'ts, don'ts, don'ts. Like yeah. It's almost like you should just have a couple of shots of tequila and then like forget it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but then even if it's Lady Macbeth, I'm going, oh, the liquor was filled. <laughs> <laughs> Love that version of Lady Macbeth. Why is song for Lady Macbeth? So, but then after, okay, so that after you felt in your groove with Second City, and you also had an amazing cast, like, around yeah. you, too. Yeah, really great people. Which is awesome. And yeah. then, did they start asking you to direct them? Yeah, they asked me to direct the touring company. Was that, like, one of the first <clears throat> lady directors there? No, Sandra Belkowski. Right. Yeah, yeah, she did it before me. Yeah. And was there a sense of, like, we got to get more women in here directing? There always was. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it is. Yeah. yeah. Although now, isn't it a steady three and three now? Oh, now on stage it's steady and three. Yeah. Three. But the directors can still get balanced oh, out. Oh, God, yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. When I was there, there was a class. Yeah. Four teachers. You had one of them. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. That was it. So when you, how long were you on main stage for before you started? I was on main stage for three years. My first day, I'll always remember because John Lennon was murdered. So it was December 8th, 1980. I was there for three years. I put up five shows and I directed the touring company for two more years. Wow. <clears throat> That's like really entrenched in that. Second in those days, world. you stayed longer. Remember, it was the 80s. So yeah. you were sold out for months. Yeah, right. So you put a show up a year. Yeah. You were, there was none of this four month turnover. You didn't have to. No. Because you packed them in. Because for many reasons, the economy, yeah. the style of, you know, people went to those things in droves. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and it was also that um, uh, there weren't a lot of games in town. Right. There weren't a million improv. You couldn't go to the comedy bar and right. the this and the no, that. it's all over the place now. It was Second City or Yuck Yucks. Yeah. And I think uh, one that came later, maybe I had left, the Laugh Resort. Right. Is that the yeah, name yeah. Of but it? that's a stand-up, right? <clears throat> yeah, it was kind of stand-up in Second City. I yeah. mean, I'm sure there was more, but not that the suburban people and stuff would know. They knew the Second City. Yeah. And SCTV. I mean, that's the place. So did that's that, where they because you were from. on SCTV. <clears throat> yeah, in small, very small parts. Yeah. Like if Catherine and Andrea, <clears throat> a couple of parts I got were because they had so much to do that week, or so many major changes, mm -hmm. and these were fun little roles, but very small, and you know they were exhausted. Yeah. So a couple of things. I yeah. Did. did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy the SCTV? No. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't I the worst? <laughs> Why not? Intimidated. Right. Well, also, they were in a uh, in a machine, right? So then you have to step in as a day player again. Yeah. And, <clears throat> yeah. 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 And uh, when we were doing the 25th anniversary of Second City in Chicago, they didn't have enough women to play the major roles. For some reason, a lot of women weren't available or didn't want to come. Yeah. I think it was before... <clears throat> before... 
the sense of aging washed over us and all the bitterness people have, individuals right. have, falls away. Right. Because certainly the 50th, as you know, was a love fest. Yeah, fantastic. And lots of people, anyone who could come, I think, came. Yeah. Um, but the 25th, there was still, I think, some stuff going on. So Andrew Alexander had said to me, <clears throat> I would like, and, and the difference is, Oh, and I think that's right. There was some dispute about it being a, not an HBO thing. I don't even think HBO was around, but a big special right. that was being televised. Right. So there was some brouhaha about contracts right, or right, whatever. Right. And I don't even know what it was, but I do remember that was for some people the reason they weren't coming. <clears throat> so um, he said, would you come and, and do um, some scenes? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, and don't I get stuck in the most famous second city scene of all, Bean Can Funeral. Wow. With all the famous oh Eugene, gosh. Jim Belushi, like uh, <clears throat> But there's some of your colleagues, though. There was well, not really. No? They knew who I was yeah. for main stage. And, um, <clears throat> but um, we're rehearsing. Did, did you ever used to watch extras? Um, oh, yeah, the Victor Gervais. Yeah. yeah, do you remember when he gets hired to do that thing and the guy says, well, it wasn't, um, wasn't Jim Brown available? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wasn't, and he says, well, I'm, I'm standing right yeah, here. Yeah, right. Well, I'm here now, so yeah. let's... Um, Might as well use Well, that's you. what happened to me. Oh. So <clears throat> one of the women oh, in it went, um, hang on, so we go on and we're introduced. Um, hang on, uh, I don't understand why she's doing this no. scene. No, yeah, no. I'll never forget it. And I don't even want to know who I, that is. No, I, well, I wouldn't say it. Okay, I want to know afterwards, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. And she didn't even do the no offense. But afterward, well, because she's done the scene, she, well, isn't so-and-so available? Can't so-and-so oh do it? I'm standing right there. Um, Did you say anything? Oh, are you kidding? Oh, my God. One, stunned by rudeness. Yeah. Two, the color of, like, a poinsettia. Yeah. I was flush, I was hot, I was humiliated, and the little voice in me that's insecure said, you don't belong. Right. It's just reaffirming. And God bless him. Anyway, the producer defended me, really defended me from a point of view of no one was available, and then said, you know, she's an up-and-comer from our Toronto company, and, you know, we want to feature the other generation. That was the route he had. And then she came up afterward and said, that was no offense to you. I was so grateful that she said it so I could go on. Yeah. But to be honest with you, upon reflection, yeah, it really was an offense to me. and too little, too late. And you did it in front of me. Yeah. But the nice story I can tell you is Harold Ramis took me aside and said, you deserve to be here. You belong here. We are going to have fun. Couldn't have been wow. kinder. And he sort of was my angel that weekend. As another cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, because even when they picked you up at the hotel, all in the limos, you know, when it was sharp to be in a in a big old limo, and <laughs> right. I'm sitting there with all the famouses, wow. and Harold banged like my knee with his hands. Relax, relax. Oh. Yeah, he was yeah. very kind. And uh, several years ago, before he before he died, about I don't know, seven years ago maybe, we met him at um, in Aspen. We were all dog sledding with our families. Yeah, yeah Colin and Brad were there. Um, his partner were there to uh, do a gig on New at New Year's in yeah. Aspen, and ran into him. And I recounted that story to him. Yeah, and said you. He was there with his wife, and I said you just. That's one of those moments I hope you take to the bank because yeah. it may have seemed like nothing to you, yeah. but it made me be able to stand up and do that scene. Yeah, and I had done the scene. So lucky to have that moment with company. him too, like to say yeah. thank you. Like that's <clears throat> yeah, I was thrilled. <clears throat> Sidebar: He after the fiftieth anniversary, um, I think I wrote him an email and just said thanks for because he we'd met and it was really nice to meet you. And he wrote me this really lovely email. Lovely man. Like, just a real... Lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was really, really nice. flabbergasted. Yeah, and so, uh, so yeah, it was... Um, but it you're was never that. debilitated by this level of, like, I don't belong, insecurity. Who knows where that's coming from? Because it's not yeah. coming from your parents, because your parents said you belong everywhere. Yes, and my parents always <laughs> supported me to be an actor. In fact, I'm sure... 
um, even pre-mouse song, they saw <laughs> that this, kid's, this kid's going to be an entertainer. Yeah. And my father studied in New York and was with Jack but Benny's where would manager that for Like, you're not time. alone with the insecurity, no. right? There's tons of people out there that, like, are on set and people who are big league stars that still feel that way. And where do you think that comes from and how do we <clears throat> overcome that? I don't know. I... I, I I would be lying if I said I hadn't tried anything, everything, including therapy. Yeah. And I'm, I take the lessons well. There is something, it's, what do you call, what is that thing? When your stress, when your stress or when your emotions manifest themselves physically. Uh, there's a word for it. No, there's a word like a, I think starts with an A. I always forget it. It's if you break out in hives, yeah. which I do, or blah blah blah. But it's a certain word. Yeah. Um. So what happens is I have it. You know, I do the Stuart Little. You're good enough. Yeah. You're funny <clears throat> enough. And gosh darn it, you're gonna. And yeah. I do. And you were saying about the nose. You don't don't. But I also do that. You've got this. Yeah. You can do this. I walk in. Something takes me over physically. My hands start to shake. My lips get pins and needles. It is a physical manifestation of some... And you know me. I'm not a dark person. No, no, the absolute <laughs> like, opposite. I don't have a dark... People, oh, you're funny if you've got a dark side. Yeah, no, no. kind of wake up happy, go to sleep happy. Yeah, you're pretty joyful. And when ugly stuff happens, I go through it and then go, oh, good, well, today seems I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not... But that's but clearly like, there is something in there. You've had an amazing career me. for somebody that deals with that. For somebody that deals with that. Yeah. It's not the career I thought I was going to have. No? What did you think? Broadway, <clears throat> you thought? Yeah, I thought I was going to be successful. I thought I was going to work all the time. I kind of thought I was going to have the career my husband has. Right. And and it's that's amazing because from the outside, people think you do. Oh, God, I love them. Right? Like They're oh, wrong. Musk. So if you're wanting to hire me, but you think I'm ubiquitous, <laughs> I ain't. But, I mean, like, Little Moss ran forever, and you It were... did, absolutely. I was grateful for that. But I didn't do very much on it. The last couple of years, they really gave me a storyline. Yeah. And really, the last year, they gave me a season of a fabulous storyline. Yeah, maybe. Paired me with Peter Callahan, who I've worked together forever. Great from, chemistry. From great uh, bad old corporates where we played Tony and Felicia, lounge act. Fantastic. And um, had a ball together, so... You know, that was great. But the the beginning, um, I was barely in it. But yeah. still happy for that. Are yeah. you kidding? Did you ever take a time <clears throat> off from your career? Um, I, <clears throat> I did. I took, um, I stepped back a little when our daughter was in school. Um, I really was picky because I wanted to be a class parent. I wanted to go to... All the excursions, yeah. the apple orchard, the pumpkin patch. Yeah, because you <clears throat> and loved being a mom. You do love it. being a mom. Yeah, that. Um, I never thought I'd love anything more than acting. Yeah, being a mom, uh, as corny or anti-feminist as it sounds. Why is uh, that anti-feminist? It isn't. Some Not people think it is, but I, I think being a feminist. I have a lot of people who talk about I'm a feminist. I never feel I've had to say that because I'm a feminist because I'm living the life I want to yeah, live and doing agreed. what I want to do. Yeah. I don't and need to standing up for women, things. for anybody, yeah, anyone, when I have the opportunity. Yeah, but I but shouldn't um, we all be feminists? Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? I it's know. not like anybody needs to declare that they're respectful. Just be respectful. Just be respectful. Yeah. Exactly. So I, um, the only other time I actually phoned my agent and said, "Don't call us. We'll call you," was a couple of years ago when my dad was dying, and I wanted to see him away. Yeah. And I did not want to miss a day there where I could go feed him or be there for him. Oh my God, I will never regret that. Yeah. As long as I live. No, of course. And not. I remember, in fact, when we were taking our our daughter Kinley to um, uh, uh, Italy for her graduation. And the producers at Musk said, you know, we had a lot of storylines, ideas for you this season. And I said, well, you know, I'm only going for this two and a half week period. And, you know, there's a part of you going, well, it's a chance to. And I went, no. And here's the thing. The lead up to leaving. Well, why wasn't I in those shows? Yeah. Why am I only in every third show there? Right. And so it reminds you. And I, I said, with all due respect to our producer, who I was very fond of, 
I said, you know, in the end, I will regret the graduation trip not taken. I won't lament not being in episode 422. Pamela gets a toothache. And... You know, that's the bottom line. I don't even remember. Like my agent said to me, you know, you need to update your tape and blah, blah, blah. I'd actually sit and think, what have I done? And I sat there. I said to my head, what have I done? Oh, well, think. All right. All right. Right. Oh, yeah, but a couple things haven't aired yet, so you have to wait. Right. I am such a loser in this regard. I don't even know how I get the material anymore. Right. You know what I mean? It used to be you'd go and get your VHS. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Can't imagine, but there, there, there was a time like when you were in LA and you were really cooking. Like, mm-hmm. and did you think then that you were living the life that you wanted to live with your career when like your talk show was going with uh, Linda? And stuff? Yeah, um, no, because I wasn't happy there. The human wasn't happy, right? So even though the actor went, I looked around and went, "You and Linda." All these people are working yeah. because of you and Linda Cash. So just to tell people what it is, it was the... T- oh, it was called My Talk my Show. Top show. <laughs> it was a strip show, which is, it wasn't a strip, no, not strip, a strip show. show. <laughs> it's called a strip <laughs> show because it's five nights a week. And we did 65 episodes. And yeah. it was really fun and funny. With Linda Cash. A lot of really wonderful people were on it. But um, you weren't happy <clears throat> emotionally. I just didn't love it there. It's yeah. nothing against the place, but not everywhere is your home. Yeah. It wasn't my home. And I went down there at seven months pregnant all alone with my husband who couldn't drive and my family all my dear friends here i hated the weather yeah. i know that's hilarious but I no but you're weather. a canadian girl like i you like the winter's your month. fall kicked in i thought yeah here we go i like them all yeah. but i want to change but you skate i want to change yeah. you know i want yeah i skate out through the winter outside <clears throat> but i i never it really was that old saying. I don't know if it was Groucho or Woody Allen, but I feel in L.A. there's no there there. In New York City, I know where yeah. Here we are. You can take a bite out of it. Yeah. In Toronto, we're downtown. In L.A., it's like, well, where are you guys? The where, where is the there? <laughs> and yet, I have there's dear friends. There's pockets of there there. Yeah. Of people yep. creating and yes. excitement, for yeah. sure. But it just didn't do it for me. No. And maybe it was my time of life. Um... Maybe it was having a new baby, but we didn't want to stay. Yeah. How and long were you so, there for? Three years to the day. Yeah. By coincidence. No kidding. We booked our flight and Colin went, this is the day we came down here three years ago. Wow. When Who's Line became a big deal and he was getting a lot of asks that I think would have gone very well for him had we lived there. Right. I think he would have been on the sitcom. He would have. And I said, okay. Now that Kinley, now that she's established and she's, you know, if you want to move there for your career, mm-hmm. then let's do it. Yeah. And he didn't. He said, I had no regrets. Right. I wanted to bring up our daughter in this country. And I um, love the United States. My my daughter's American. My father was American. I love Americans. Um, it And it, it isn't really even anything against L.A., it's not my memory. It's not... Ron James said something really eloquent. I wish I, I'm going to misquote him, but... I think when you look nobody around, can quote him perfectly, to Okay, be because yeah. he doesn't remember. No, either. but he's That's so... the beauty. Eloquent, so... Yes, he, yeah. but he looked around, he said, home is when you look around and you know where you are. Right. And L.A. wasn't, wasn't that. that. Whereas New York feels like home to yeah. me. Yeah, and you guys talk about moving to New York. Yeah, so we, that's our great That dream. makes more sense to yeah. you. Yeah, so New York feels like home to me. Also because I know it was my <clears throat> father's home for some time. My father worked on the tugs in New York Harbor okay, right. as a young man, and he yeah. was pursued an acting career. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, So, so it's that was not like a tipping point man. for you, too. Like, yeah, like it just wasn't gonna... the place yeah. for me. Yeah, and, and, um, and we were... Beyond broke. Yeah. You know, it ended so badly. Right. We just you needed to go even... home and regroup. And regroup. Yeah. And then once we got here, we just... And we went at the time where there was a huge recession. And all of a sudden, movie stars are playing the leads in sitcoms. Sitcom stars are playing the supporting. Mm-hmm. Like it was a That's trickle down. That's happening now again, yeah. right? Yeah. So it was really hard to get in the door. Yeah. I did have one lovely audition, and this is hilarious because she's so funny, with Carrie Fisher. She's so funny. She meant no harm by it. It's just her way. But <clears throat> she, uh, Colin 
came with me to this audition that Andrea Martin ended up getting. Hmm. It was a sitcom that she wrote. And um, I thought I had a shot because it was about her family, about her mother and the daughter. Yeah. And I always get taken for um, when I was younger, particularly, but even now because I still kind of look like Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. And I got, and I, I won a Debbie Reynolds lookalike contest. Yeah, no kidding. On July long weekend at, um, won a TV <laughs> at City Hall. And um, so, yeah. Um, so I thought, oh, she's going to see it. Well, of course she's not going to see it. Right. But anyway, I felt good about the audition, but I didn't get it. And <clears throat> and this woman, uh, I don't remember her relationship to Carrie. She was a producer. But she came out and said, is this your baby? And I said, yes. And she went into the room and brought Carrie out. And Carrie said, she came in to tell me, I'm always going on about how I'm too old to have kids. And she came out to say, Oh my God. But she was saying it so positively and so and, enthusiastically. Yeah. And she said, you know, there's a, a woman that is not young out <laughs> there with a new baby. These Thank things you? always happen. I don't know. Stunned by rudeness. That's hilarious. My friend, my friend Annette Redican wants to write a book called Stunned by Rudeness. That's fantastic. Um, and, um, but she meant it. And then she yeah. went, no, I mean, you look great. Yeah. Um, but she went, how you old are you? Old? And I, I was 36. But nowadays, so I just but read she was a lady too, had her third she, kid at 62, so who knows? Right, but I think in her... But her world. Her world. Yes. She wasn't with someone. Yeah. She desperately wanted a baby. Yeah. I think that 36 is fine when you're, hey, we're trying to make a baby. Yeah. 36 at that time might not have been fine when, where's the person I'm having this baby? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I yeah. get what her... <clears throat> but I always remember that. She went, no, you look great. You look great. You know, she was really <laughs> Too funny. late. Too late. And the truth is I didn't. I was puffy and my hair was way too big. <laughs> Just saying. She... It, it does speak of like how you and Colin have constantly worked as a team though. Like that when one of you wants to go, they kind of reevaluate and goes, no, we're in this together. Yeah. And, and oh, and I, I have to say when I was saying earlier that I always thought I would have the career he had. Once he had the career... May God strike me dead, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Right. I got to, because I'm more comfortable as a human. I love the human things. Yes. Yeah. My husband loves the performing more. Do you know what you, I mean? And you don't like performing? Like, you're I so do. good on stage. But what and I stuff. mean is, I'm more comfortable in that world where, you know, I'm going to spend the day with my parents and I'm doing Gotcha. Whereas he. Would rather be performing. Gotcha. Would rather always, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it worked out the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Because when we married, I thought, well, I'm going to be bringing home the bacon. Right. As he says in interviews, you know, I do something that's given me a lovely living, and it wasn't a career when I was growing up. No It wasn't kidding. a job. And, <clears throat> you know. Being an it's improviser. That, <clears throat> it's that thing. Even when you talk about SCTV. Not only were they the people that were meant to be that, and I can't take anything away from that, the timing. Yeah. And Colin, Ryan, Wayne, those guys, they're not the only guys who could have gone, whoa, right. we're the... It's timing. timing, for sure. It, they were, it was a, it's charm. When it's has the, timing worked for you in your, in your career or um, life? I think timing's worked for me in my life mm -hmm. a lot i, I think like i'm really, a lucky person yeah I you think, really dedicate yourself to your family and friends yeah, like you're a very i'm a true cancerian cancer yeah. cancer rising yeah i think things work out for me i yeah. am touching wood right now but i'm a lucky person i <clears throat> but it's usually in the way of you know meeting colin um it's usually in the way things just work out for me. Yeah. But they're more, I don't know how to describe it, it's more the human side rather than the actor side. But I think that's what makes you the actor that you are because you bring that to everything you do. Like when we improvise together, like I see, I see your family in the characters that you do or I see people that you know that we both know. That, like yeah. it, it, they, you don't just go for gags. You go for truth and heart and I see that all the time. Well, I'm more, thank you, I'm, I'm more of a, character person and a wisecracker than a jokester I, i've never is that your dad been a joke was your dad a wisecracker he was a punter yeah my dad was the king of the puns right 
<clears throat> you know, I mean, we grew up with all the <clears throat> sayings that he would repeat constantly. My mom, too. Lord love a duck. And Dad would always say, you know, fun and fancy. Why are we going there, Dad? Fun and fancy to please old Nancy. But every time. Yeah. You say it three times, but no, every time. Every time, time yeah. Yeah. You know? Always the expressions, always the puns, pun, pun, pun. Was Colin a uh, punner? No, when you uh, first met him, was there like a jokester quality? No, he was quiet. I didn't yeah. hear him speak. <laughs> I didn't hear Colin speak outside of the roles I gave him. I quickly right, realized... you were directing Colin yeah, when you first met. Yeah. <clears throat> How to get a husband. Yeah. <laughs> um, I directed I direct him. you to come and marry me. I knew he was so good that I could depend on him to blow out every scene. Yes. I knew he would walk in. Say even if one he word. Said, say one oh, word. Oh, that guy. He can still do that now. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, I knew that he was so good that I fell in love with him watching him perform. Didn't know what to make of the person who mm-hmm. didn't say anything and chain smoked. No kidding? Yeah. I didn't know he smoked. Yeah, he didn't smoke until he Matt was in too. his early 30s, I believe. He might dispute me on that, but I believe it was his early 30s. He had to smoke for a play and, and there was no going. fakey cigarettes. Yeah, I've heard that. He has struggled lot. with it all his life since no then. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. He always has to stay vigilant and he's had slips. And I mean, the thing is, he we're together all the time. Yeah. You know, there's only so much. So I was never that concerned, except when I was screaming at him. Then it may have appeared I <laughs> was concerned. Yeah, maybe that would have had <clears throat> the outside appearance yeah, of that. I've but. never smoked, but. No. Yeah. But now, like, you guys have such a dynamics together. Like, did you ever make a conscious decision, like, because you do so much together. Mm-hmm. You have so many shows that you do together, you mm-hmm. improvise together. You did Getting Along Famously yeah. together, which is still one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube. Oh, thank it's you. It's so good. I, I, I know I shouldn't even talk no about budget. it. And we had no budget. We had 50 cents. I know. I don't even want to talk about it because I know it breaks your heart, but I want I you to know that I, the details in that show and the characters, like Paulo Sullivan. I know. I was having a Paul day about yeah. a month ago. It's so Colin good. was out of town, and I didn't watch the pilot, which I loved, because Paul wasn't in it, although the fabulous Bob Martin was, but I was having a Paul day. Yeah. Something had come up, I won't go into it, why Paul's name came up, and the amount of time he'd been dead, and um, <clears throat> I watched it, and I thought, oh my God, we had five cents. The crew was bringing you can't stuff see it a second. from their parents' basement yeah. to use as props. It and looks like it a really mad, deserved it's more Mad Men of a shot. quality of, yeah. t- of specifics. Like, it had so such great potential. And the numbers, the routines and stuff. Yeah. Like, like, I just saw the um, the Mary Poppins. Um, Mountie Poppins. Oh, my God. Isn't Ridiculous. Like, But it's so it's so you two as yeah. well. Like, And I think that's part of we had a ball. why you fall in love with it. Because yeah. people fall in love with you as a couple. Yeah. Like, They love you individually. And I also had the hots for Kip. Right. Was right. Character. Right. 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 Perfect. And Wayne Brady came up. Yeah, and did, I saw that. And everything was based on real life. Like Wayne Brady was playing a Harry Belafonte character, um, based on when Harry Belafonte made a big hit with his first song. Um, what was it? Uh, the Calypso one, Yellow oh, Bird or yeah. something. Anyway, and the network said to Judy Garland, do not go near him. I want a foot between you. Don't touch him. Don't blah, blah, blah. And, of course, Judy being Judy at the end of the thing puts her arms around Right, right. And so we did this thing where Wayne Brady plays this character who was an old hipster from the old days with Colin's character, Kip, who was an old jazz musician. And uh, they were best friends. And he had this big hit with this song called Touch of My Hand. But the CBC wouldn't let my right. character touch his hand. Right. So then we touched. That's him, amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it was all based. Even the pilot was uh, cutbacks. Pat McKenna, who was fabulous, and oh his God, character, so funny. head of the CBC, and he's Everybody's cutting back. Everybody's in the right character. Yeah. Like, it, like Robin and Duke. What, well, what was nice was it. we said, George Anthony, bless him, we pitched the ID, went, let's do it. Honest to God, Naomi, we went. I can't imagine. We left and went, so what? I can't is imagine. He, is he playing with us? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's schedule in a meeting with the people that I... And we said, well, George, we know so many great people. We would love to offer parts to people. Yes, they're our friends, but they're great. We gave them a list. Yeah. There were only two people he didn't know, so they gave tapes. He trusted us. Yeah. Um, 
And they let us cast our friends. Wow. Who were perfect. Ed yeah. Sahaley, yeah. Robin Duke. Yes. Uh, it, it, Pat McKenna, Barbara Decky, Sheryl Stenson. It, it was wonderful. Amazing. And, um, yeah, and it, it was great. I, I wish we'd gotten another shot, yeah. but we're not the only show with potential that never got another shot. No, I know. There were two but... more great shows that year, Hatching, Matching, and Dispatching, yeah, that was released with ours, and... Uh, Peter Callahan's show, uh, Walter Ego, which I thought was fantastic. Great title. Yeah, great. Um, And I thought they deserved another shot, too. So you know what? That show business. Who knows? But I did sit and watch and, of course, lament for the loss of Paul, but just reveled in his genius and sort of looked at the show and went, oh, dear. I know. But then I also watched his clips going, thank God. Yes. Right? Like that is yes. so friggin' funny. Yeah. And I just want to watch that over again. You can. So that's lucky. But yeah. But there's also this um, the dynamics of watching you and Colin, not only off stage, but on stage. Like I remember <laughs> actually meeting you guys for the first time and watching him laugh at you. Because I knew he was funny, but I hadn't met you. And you and him laughing at you. And I was like, he's that's just the most beautiful thing in the world, watching a couple that can still laugh at each other. I yeah, it, should, it does shouldn't be shocking, but I just love it so oh, much. Oh no, I've seen it in couples yeah. where only one is allowed. Yeah, yeah, we've all <laughs> didn't seen. Didn't I that. say that to you when this woman came out to me and she's like, "What's it like being married to a comedian?" I was like, "Well, it's it's Hello. just the best. It's so funny." Ask him. I said, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right." But then I said, "But your husband's funny," and she went, "Oh yeah." <laughs> that was in Quebec. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, really. But there's actually there's such a love fest for you and Colin. Like, do you online? Like, there's people that have done compilations of you two. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, I'm I gonna never, send it to you. I, I never. Oh, really? Because oh, they love goodness. you. Like, there's nothing. Oh, and in nice. the comments, there's no like. I've well, never she needs myself. To cut her hair or anything oh, like that. It's all about how lovely oh, you are nice. together. I know that the last go round, the thing we did with you and Marty, that we that Barb and I wrote, um, filling the gap. Yeah. Um, you know, we got told in no uncertain terms that we are too old to be the leads in a show. Yeah. Even though, what part of we said what age we were? Yeah. We had a kid leaving. But I it, it, no. and you know, in England. That's ludicrous. I know. In the gym, when I'm working out in our home gym, I watch every British show. All the people look like me and my husband. Yeah. You know, well, there's younger, sexier ones too, of course. But, you guys are um, pretty sexy. Okay. But no, but seriously, uh, but how yeah, are you like... Not here, they're not interested. That was five years ago, at least yeah. five years ago, yeah. right? And I actually think things have changed. Well, maybe, but I know they, they said, you know, you should be thinking of yourself as secondary characters. And you know... Um, but where's that person much, right now? Are they still at that network? I know. No, they're and not. And as they're... much as you should drive on, um, being told you're redundant and done, um, it, it sets you back a bit. Oh, God, yeah. It, it makes you go, I'm going to wait a while before I... Yeah, and the wind me, gets knocked out of you, for sure. Barb and I are always writing, and we write, and we get hooks, and people are interested, and then it dies. We never, ever lament that. No. We always pick up and start how, again. How do you do that, though? Like, Matt and I have a, a, have a rule of no, don't get bitter and don't give up. Mm-hmm. And then don't hold hands on garbage day because with the garbage cans, it's super awkward, which is a excessive rule. But <laughs> but what? how do you keep going? Like, how do you go? Because nope. we get another idea. Right. And there's always hope. Right. And I will say another thing that sounds corny, but it's true. When Barb and I are writing together, um, even if it doesn't go anywhere... The experience yeah. of creating it and the things I learn, the mistakes I make as a writer, the things I learn to correct, it's all a process. Yeah. And, you know, um, just from a business end, you hear about big stars. You hear about some movie and Brad Pitt will say, it took me 12 years to, what? 12? Brad Pitt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go, something will hit. Yes. You just can't um, give up. I wish... I could be Anne Lamott, one of my favorite writers, who says, write as if your family is dead. But I can't. No, because your family is eclectic. You've got an amazing group yeah, of characters. But, but I you can't. can't. I can't tell tales no. out of school. She does. And it doesn't seem offensive. Right. But I think you've got to be true to yourself. Back to the L.A. thing. I have nothing against L.A. No. For me, this set of molecules... That molecular um, 
geographical space didn't work. Yes. And for yes. me, yes. I could write a shit-ass novel. Could you I, write it but not, like, could you write it as a bridge to something else? Do you know what I mean? Like, just write it without going, oh, I'm going to work to get this published. Just write it because oh, they're I've done fantastic that. stories. Yeah, when, um, <clears throat> as you know, our, um, our daughter uh, came out uh, and is transitioning, uh, to, uh, and she's a, a woman, and I, um, in my way of sort of transitioning myself and coping, I journaled it, but I wrote it as a book. Right. I'm but going. not to do anything for it. No. But just... But as a creative person, you have to so get yeah, it out. So yeah, I often yeah. do that. Right now, there's something Barb and I are working at that I've gotten, become unsure of. And she said to me on our creative phone call the other day, start writing an episode. Yeah. See if you're still interested. If you're not, let's move on. Yeah. It was great advice. I do think that people get mired down in the, I don't think it's going to work, vision of like, well, we could start writing a web series, but then we're probably not going to make this happen, and they're probably going to say no, so eh, let's just not bother. Oh, yeah, we never to, do like, that. do it. Like, oh, we, yeah. That's it's hard, I though. Do I, don't, I don't blame it. It's yeah. a, there's a lot of no's in our future. Oh, yeah. And to forget the no's. Luckily, Matt has a really horrible memory that he doesn't <laughs> remember how many no's we've had, but... It's yeah. true. You gotta keep keep. You've got on. to. Oh yeah, God. When we pitched getting along famously, hi. There are two people from the 1960s who are famous in this country who have a variety show, and their only competition is Juliet. Do you think we thought we were going to get a yes? Right. Yeah. There's no, a great you gotta. Line. The truth is, write what you love. Yeah. Not just write what you know, but be passionate. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. So glad. I'm so happy you could do yeah, this. Yeah, me too. I Thank you, you, my darling. Thank you so much. Deb McGrath, right? Doesn't she have the best stories? And she like commits to the stories so much that she sings a song in the middle of your podcast, which I absolutely love. Follow her at Deb McGrathics. That's on Instagram at Deb McGrathics. She's got some great photos from her travels and from her comedy and her gorgeous, cute as heck little dogs. So you're going to want to follow her there and keep in touch with the latest from her. She's an inspiration. I love her. While you're at it, why don't you follow us too? We're on Instagram and Twitter at Firecracker Department, but it's abbreviated, so it's Firecracker D-E-P-T. We're on Facebook, of course. Let us know what inspires you. Let us know what you think of these conversations. Do you have any questions for the guests that have been on the podcast? Maybe you'd like to suggest somebody I talk to. I'll talk to them. I'll talk the heck out of them. Now go on out there, get inspired, or be inspiring. See ya.